Hi, and welcome to Harvest Valley Church. Thank you so much for joining us today for our sermon series on the book of Ephesians. We're a church located in Horace, North Dakota, committed to serving what God is doing here in the Red River Valley. If you'd like to learn more about us or get connected with our church, you can find us online at our website, harvestvalley.church. Thank you again for listening today, and we hope that you enjoy this message. Hey, well, Harvest Valley, if I have a chance to meet you, my name is Randy. I serve as the lead pastor at Harvest Valley Church. Uh, if you are looking for a life-giving church, uh, we are Harvest Valley. We're a new church plant that's been here for about two years now. Our whole hope is to uh, reach this growing valley with the gospel of Jesus. And we know wherever God calls us, God is already at work. Before even Harvest Valley existed, God was at work in the valley. And so we are just coming alongside of God, what God is doing. And we've already seen lives touched, people healed, people delivered, and people made new. Last Sunday, you guys, if you missed it, it was a powerful Sunday. Uh, Eight people got water baptized, stepping into their faith. So that was really exciting as well. And um, you guys, listen, I just want to encourage you guys, let's be a church uh, that really steps into faith, um, that, that really steps out and believes for God just to do amazing things. Like, I, I'm, I'm just beyond the point of just, let's, let's stop talking about it, let's start living it, let's start walking out our faith and believe God for just the miracles in the house and miracles in this place and that he can do the impossible um, And so let's get to work this morning. If you are new here, uh, we are going through a series in the book of Ephesians. We've been there for a hot minute, which is exciting. Uh, We're going to just pause a little bit. We're going through the armor of God. That's what our life groups are going through. And as Pastor Peter mentioned, if you're not in a life group, get connected in a life group. Relationships are important. How many of you guys know that? Uh, Nobody just goes to a church just to check it out. They go to connect. And so we believe that connection is really important uh, in the house. And so I'm going to remind us of what Paul talked about. We're in Ephesians chapter 6, and so last week we talked about uh, the belt of truth, and so Paul reminds us that we're in a spiritual battle. How many of you guys know that? <laughs> How many of you guys felt the spiritual battle coming to church this morning? The Haunty House did, right? Uh, we are in a spiritual battle, and Paul says this, that we stand by putting on the full armor of God, not just the helmet. That's a little weird just to put a helmet on and go in the battlefield. You put on the whole armor of God, and it doesn't just say Randy's armor. It doesn't say your armor. It's the armor of who? It's God's armor. So God has already said, like, these are yours in Christ Jesus. And and what what I want us to understand this, when we're putting on the armor of God, we're putting all that God has accomplished through the person of Jesus. And so that's what we're doing, and it's a beautiful thing. And so last week, we talked about the belt of truth. How many of you guys in the house wear a belt? And we're all thankful for that right? It keeps things up. It keeps things secure, which I'm grateful for, you know? Uh, I just really am. Um, and so when you think about the belt of truth, we talked about there's some, some symbolism of just saying Christ is the thing that holds it all together. Christ is the foundation, and when our foundation is shaky, everything is shaky, isn't it? And so we talked about Christ is the truth, and Christ is our logos, Christ is our light, Christ is the word, and how many of you guys know when the enemy attacks, he always attacks truth. We saw that with uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Did God really say? We saw that in uh, the temptation of Jesus, you know, Satan said, if you are the son of God, attacks him at his identity. You know, listen to this, how many of you guys know that knowing truth is so important, Because if you know truth, you can know whether if something's a good opportunity or a scheme. 
And no, we need to know truth. And so we also talked about how the, we feel the turbulence of a lack of our society embracing what is true. <laughs> it just seems like the longer we exist as a society, we could just make stuff up, <laughs> right? We're just making stuff up. We're making up new words, and we're like, what is going on here? Listen to this. When you feel the turbulence of society, you tighten up your belt. You don't like say, okay, well, I guess I should let go of the truth to reach more people. Letting go of the truth doesn't reach more people, Remember we talked about the churches that are letting go of truth in the hopes of reaching more people are a dying church, and we don't want to put ourselves there. All right, so I'm a little fired up, so it's okay. So let's, let's look at the breastplate of righteousness. You guys, as I think about this, I just, I, I know that I'm just so limited with words that I cannot change what happens in your heart. But as I prayed this week, I prayed that you would walk away with this greater understanding of the breastplate of righteousness. That it's the thing that covers you in the front and the sides and the back. It's this thing that it just encloses you, all that is important. And the Bible talks about in Ephesians 14, 614, it says, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. I want to show you a picture of, of, of me, my, my Halloween costume, what I'm going to look like here. Go ahead, put that up here. That's what I'm going to look. That's actually a picture of me. Um, I don't know why you guys are laughing. Uh, I'm offended by that. So as you think about the breastplate, right, you think about that it covers you. It covers the front, it covers the sides, it covers the back, it covers all things that are important. What's the importance of a breastplate, right? We just kind of know that. The importance of a breastplate is to protect all that is important. And when you think about the breastplate, you could put, you take that down. I'm tired of looking at myself. Um, you could, why, why would the breastplate be equated with righteousness? Like, think about that. Why is the breastplate equated with righteousness? And another question I want you to consider is how does one put on the plate of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness? And I, and I think just to go a little bit deeper where I'm actually going in Paul's language, what does it mean to become a soldier? What does it mean to become a Christian at its core? Because becoming a Christian at its core is to actually put on the breastplate of his righteousness, because it's God's armor, or it's not your righteousness you're putting on. You're putting on his righteousness. So how do we even become one that is righteous? My question for you this morning is this. As you look at that picture and as I talk about it, let me just ask you a question. I want you to answer it in your mind. How do you know in the house that you're covered? I just want you to answer that. Like, you, if you want to answer out loud, that's fine. But like, think about how, how do I know that I'm covered? Am I covered with the breastplate of righteousness? And I want you to know your answer, because we're going we're gonna to go there. How did you answer that question? And, and we're going to explore. We either answer it one of, of two ways. One of the ways is this, is that we tend to answer it by explaining our own efforts. The first person. I am a Christian, I'm a soldier, I put on the breastplate of righteousness because I did something. <laughs> I, I took a class, right? I, I go to church because I'm religious, I do certain things or, or I stay away from certain things. Listen, 
I'm pretty sure I'm covered because I'm a good person. (laughs) Like, I don't kick my dog. I I pay most of my taxes, right? I'm a respectable, decent person. For goodness sakes, God knows that I work hard, and he sees that. Like, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. And I just want to remind us in the house that with those within themselves is not a bad thing. You should pay all your taxes, but... Those within themselves are not a bad thing, but I want to remind us that those things are not righteousness. Because when you think about that, there has to be a measuring, there has to be some sort of objective way to measure this. Because how righteous do we have to be to make it? When you think about that, like how righteous do we have to be to actually be covered And so I want to just think about this. What's the standard? What's the scale? How do we measure that, right? You know, often, listen to this. Oftentimes, if we want to feel good about our righteousness, we compare ourselves to people. (laughs) How many of you guys know some messed up people, right? Don't look at your neighbor. But like, we all know people that are perhaps in our way of framing it that are a little bit more messed up than we are. And when we compare ourselves to them, you're like, man, I'm just like, I'm so thankful that I'm not like, I'm just, listen, if I say your name, don't get offended. I'm just thinking of a name, right? Uh, I'm not even going to say your name now because I might say one of your names. <laughs> but like, I thank God I'm not as bad as Tim. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I looked at my friend Tim Gleason. <laughs> Like, I thank God I'm not as bad as them because I look at their life and for goodness sakes, they cannot keep it together. They're struggling with adulting. They don't know how to raise their kids. They're not paying their bills. Tim, he's doing all of that. I know you're doing all of that. But other Tims, right? When we think about this, we're just like, man, like compared to them, like I'm killing it in life. And I feel really good about myself because at least I try to take my kids to church. At least I try to do this. And then, and then we look at people who are just a hot mess and we're like, wow, I'm doing like super good. And then we look at people who are just like on the other spectrum. I'm not even naming any names because I'm, I'm going to name some of you. And then we look at person B. <laughs> Hopefully there's no B person. Like, There's person B who just like honestly looks like they have it all together. Like they're just like this philanthropist. Like they're just building orphanages across the world. And and like they're just like they're this beautiful family on Instagram. They're just, you know, they're just constantly going on mission trips. And like they're just these prominent people in the community. And they just seem to have it all together. Their marriage seems amazing. Their kids listen and behave. And we're just like, oh. Compared to them, I just feel like we have a long ways to go. I feel like compared to them, like compared to this person, I'm really like an amazing person. And compared to this person, like I just feel like I need to get my life together. And it's interesting when it comes to righteousness, we tend to compare ourselves to people because people is an easy metric because we see it and we experience it and we feel it. But I want to remind us, the standard of righteousness is not people. Like the standard of righteousness is not like in how messed up somebody is or how amazing somebody is. The standard of righteousness is God and his law. It's God and his holiness. And when all of us stand before that, all of us fall short. 
And, and you look at Romans chapter 6, verse 20 to 23, it says, When you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Verse 21, this just resonated with me. But what fruit were you getting at the time of, from the things which you're now ashamed of? Wow. Like how many of us have done some things? And now we're kind of ashamed of them, right? For the end of those things is death. But now that you've been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end is eternal life, praise God. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ our Lord. Listen to this. Let's just start with the Ten Commandments. You could just look at, there's ten of them. That's why they call it Ten Commandments, if you guys didn't know that. This is like, do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do not covet. Like, how many of us, when you look at the Ten Commandments, you're like, I, I probably broke, like, at least half of them. You guys, let's be honest. Like, how many of us, when you look at the Ten Commandments, you're just like, I fall pretty short. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, if you broke one commandment, the wages of sin is death. One, like just one commandment, just like one standard of righteousness is, is broken. What do we deserve? We deserve death, but, but here's the good news, but the free gift of God is, is eternal life in Christ our Lord. Or maybe you're here this morning and you just, um, you just know that your efforts have not measured up. And you know that they'll never measure up. And you are, I've actually walked into this room pretty hopeless and helpless and quite discouraged with your lack of consistency when it comes to faith. And you might be convinced in the house that you would probably be the last one in the house to be saved. And you would often, we often tell ourselves, what would, why, what would God want to do with a person like me? After all that I've done, with all my lack of consistency, like what I've done is too bad. I've heard even people say this. If I walked in, the church would light on fire. Like you made it in. The church didn't light, or the school didn't light on fire, right? And we could say there's no way I could ever make it. There's no way there's grace for me because I've actually turned my back on God. You know what I'm thankful for? You know what I'm thankful for is the gospel meets us both in our pride and in our hopelessness. Our pride of thinking that I don't need the gospel, I'm a good person without it. The gospel meets us in our pride. And the gospel also meets us in our hopelessness of what's the point of even trying because I'm going to fail anyways. The gospel meets us in both of those. Let me, let me just think about this. Before you count yourself out, let me just remind you, who wrote the book of Ephesians? The Apostle Paul. You know what's interesting about Paul? He said this, as he talked about himself, he said, I am a, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. Like, I excel. So if you want to know a Pharisee, I'm like a really good Pharisee. Paul wrote that. Like, I'm, a, I'm so amazing. Like, I, I excel beyond everybody because I'm so amazing. But even Paul understood that how well he excelled was not enough. And then he even writes this. I love it in 1 Timothy 1.15. Paul writes this. He said, This is a faithful and worthy saying of all acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. So Paul finds his 
his life and, and where we find ourselves of like, we either like, I'm so amazing or like, listen, I, I'm the worst of sinners, but I'm so thankful that the gospel meets us both in our pride and in our hopelessness. And I'm reminded of my own encounter this morning. You know, I, I was, when I was younger, definitely not pursuing the Lord, and I, I won't get into it for the sake of time, but there was a, a guy who came to me, and thankfully he responded in obedience, because uh, I, I just imagine him on the other side. He came to me and says, you know, the Lord, the Lord is, is trying to get your attention. Why are you running from the Lord? The Lord's going to, he's calling you, he's going to use you. And uh, in that moment, I was not, I was not, I was not pursuing the Lord. I was not going after him. And when he said that, you guys, like, I just began, I just began to weep. Like, I was just so overwhelmed with, like, why would God pursue me? Like, how many of you guys know you at your real core? Like, you know your thoughts, and you know your behavior, you know your deeds, you know all of that, right? And, but listen, we have a God, a righteous God, who pursues us despite us. And at some point, that should overwhelm you. Well, you have this encounter with, with grace. So let me remind us in what's happening in the gospel. The gospel rescues us from both our pride of earning righteousness and, the hopeless, and being hopeless within our own sin. 2 Corinthians 5, it says this, is for our, I love this, let me go back. It says, we implore to you on Christ's behalf, I'm going to go to verse 20, if you're looking on the slides there. We implore to you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, which means be made right. Be made right with God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's lean into that. Paul writes, he says, be reconciled to God. Like how many in the house know that you need to be reconciled to God? How many in the house know that you have been reconciled to God? Listen to this. And he says this, for our sake, he made him to be sin so that who in him no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So how do we become righteous? How do we put on the breastplate, the breastplate of righteousness? We put on Christ. That's how we become. Listen, to wear the breastplate, we put on Christ and his righteousness by faith. We are recognizing that our effort and works are not enough. We recognize the finished work of Christ on the cross is enough. And we transfer our trust from ourself to Christ. And to put on the breastplate of righteousness to say, Jesus, my righteousness is in you. It's not in my efforts, it's not in my attempts, it's not in me trying to behave good enough, it's not in trying to not do this or that. My righteousness is in Christ alone. I love the song where it says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. I gotta land this here this morning. At its core, the breastplate of righteousness is God's approval. Why is this a big deal, you guys? Because I think there's so many in the church that are just wondering if they're approved by God. 
there are so many of you in the house who are just wondering, am I in right standing with God? If you want your faith to be shaky, then constantly live with that uncertainty. I constantly live with that uncertainty. But I want to remind us the reason it's called the breastplate of righteousness is because it's secure. Because it covers us. It doesn't waver. It doesn't lack confidence. And it leads to peace. And it leads to a joyful life. This is vital. This is imperative. Listen up as I begin to wrap this up. One of the schemes of the enemy is to continually get at your heart and try to convince you that there's something fundamentally wrong with your relationship with God. There's something wrong with it. You aren't doing enough for God. God is disappointed with you. Man, like, we just, these constant lies of where we try to find our righteousness are constantly coming against our mind and our hearts. Listen to this. If the worship team wants to come up here, listen to this. I think what the church, what the world needs, you guys, is a confident church that they are deeply loved and that God's approval and righteousness is upon them. Like if you, if you, if you can't embrace that you are clothed with the righteousness of God, you can't live in security in your relationship with Jesus because you will constantly go to your own behavior, you'll constantly go to your own failures, and you'll just be like this constantly in your faith. I messed up. Oh, man, like now I'm not clothed anymore with the righteousness of God, and God hates me now, and I'm just going to walk away from the church, and like I'm not going to come anymore because I don't feel righteous. No, listen, in that moment when you fail, you preach to yourself and say, I'm not saved by my own righteousness. I'm clothed with the righteousness of Christ because of the finished work of Jesus. I just want to remind you guys, like why, why is this important it's important because when you leave these doors, the enemy will try to convince you that you are not clothed and covered with the righteousness of Christ. He will either lead you, whether to it's your own behavior, of, well, I don't need that because I'm a decent guy. He'll lead you down a road of, of, of pride or he'll lead you down a road of despair that I'm too messed up, that I, I, can, never, I can never do this. Listen to this. Why is this important? It's important because it helps you stand against the schemes of the devil. Like when the enemy comes at your mind and he attacks the righteousness that has been given to you in Christ Jesus, you have to stand and say, no, I, I'm standing in Christ alone. <laughs> that I am clothed with the righteousness of Jesus and I haven't done a thing but accept it by faith. And, I, and when God looks at me, he sees the righteousness of his son. Listen, why is this important? It's important because it will literally change the way you worship. It will literally, and you walk into the house, how many of you guys, when you walked in this morning and we started singing, you were fixated on your behavior this week and it limited you in your worship. How many guys, if you could raise your hand. Nobody, okay. Well, hopefully that one works the second service. But listen to this. A lot of times when we come into worship, we limit our response to God based off of how good we feel about our righteousness. How about if our response to worship was not based upon our righteousness, but His? And so it gets us out of the North Dakota bubble. And we begin to lift up our hands and we begin to come to the altar because we know that apart from Him, that I am dead in my sin and that the wages of sin is death. 
but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Listen, that will change how you worship. That will literally transform how you live. And so church, my hope and my prayer is when you go home this week that you would just say, Lord, thank you that I am clothed with your righteousness. It covers me all around, that I'm, I'm, I'm secure, I'm safe. That you, you, you were covering me. And so church, stop living in insecurity, whether you're in or out, you're in, you're out. Like how many of you guys grew up in the age where you're constantly rededicating your life to Jesus? I messed up. Okay, let's rededicate ourselves. Like as if God left you. Like no, you just need to preach to yourself that God has never left me. And that I don't feel good about myself, but listen, my, my confidence is not in how good I feel. My confidence is in that Jesus clothes me right now with his righteousness. So we're going to stand, church, and we're going to worship the Lord, and we're going to praise him. And it's a song that you might know. On Christ the solid rock I stand. And so, church, I want you to worship and to praise like you believe this with all of your heart. So, Father, we love you right now. We... We thank you, Lord God, that it is in Christ alone which we stand. That we, we, our hope is in you. Our hope is not in our behavior. Our hope is not in our own strength. Our hope is in Jesus alone. And that's where we rest. And that's where we find our reason to worship in Jesus' name. Thank you again for joining us for this message on the book of Ephesians. We at Harvest Valley would love to hear how God is speaking to you through this sermon series. You can connect with us online at our website, harvestvalley.church. We pray that this message has blessed you and thank you so much for joining us at Harvest Valley Church.